So we covered several verses in Romans 8 last week as we were coming out of Romans 7, but we really want to come back and look at this a little closer. We're just going to go through verse 15 today. We're going to move pretty quickly because I'm counting on you guys studying on your own during the week, reading, trying to read these chapters once a day, meditate, go deeper, let the Holy Spirit speak to you and show you what this means. So, Lord, as we open your word, speak to our hearts. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit says, eyes to see, Lord, that our hearts would not be dull, our ears would not be closed, or that we'd have such a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit speaking to us, applying this word to our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we talked about, Romans 7 is really the gateway into Romans 8. Romans 8, I believe, one of the most important chapters in the Bible, almost as if the, the, the scripture is just leading up to this point and then everything after it is kind of pointing back to it because the work of Jesus on the cross and how it applies to us in our daily lives, I believe this is important to God. He wants us to know how to walk with him, how to walk by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. And, you know, I thought about the example my wife shared this morning of Peter and how he had that self-confidence, right, that I'll never deny you, Lord. In fact, the, the Scripture says all the disciples said that, not just Peter. They all said, oh, no, we'll, we'll never deny you. And isn't that a perfect picture of Romans 7 and even going into Romans 8? We talked about how many times I, me, and mine is mentioned in Romans 7. I think it's 40, 40, 45 times, and the Spirit's mentioned like once. So the point is, it's, it's a, Romans 7 is a godly person who's been born again, who wants to please God, but is failing. They've offered themselves to the Lord to serve him. They're very serious about their faith, Romans 6, and yet, even in that zealous dedication of themselves to God, they begin to now walk with the Lord in a deeper way and realize, oh, I'm still failing. I'm still sinning. I'm, I'm, what's going on here? I thought by me just accepting Jesus as Savior and then not being a carnal kind of self-indulgent Christian but being very serious about my walk with God, I thought that would bring victory those are steps you have to go through, but you still haven't got it until you come to the end of Romans 7 where you say, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You have to come to that point to realize there's evil in me as a believer. There's, there's nothing good in me that is in my flesh, nothing that's acceptable to God. And that's what Peter had to come to. That's what all the disciples had to come to. How was that self-confidence going to be driven out of them? Well, for them, it was like a fiery furnace they went through. 
like you talk about literally being at the cross going through that with Jesus says Paul Peter followed at a distance and then you know the story he's uh, warming himself with those who are involved in the crucifixion of Jesus he's warming himself around the fire and then denies the Lord three times and and then just went out weeping don't you think he was thinking oh wretched man that I am what a you know I've walked with Jesus Christ for three years I've seen him on the Mount of Transfiguration. I've seen things that few have ever seen, and yet I denied him. See, that's, that's the Roman 7 person right there. And, and you've seen things, right, of God. And, and you've had those experiences where, wow, Lord, I, I see the reality of who you are. And, and, Lord, I, I know I'm to love you and give all of myself to you, Lord. In fact, I would just lay my life down for you, Lord. That is a good heart. That is a good thing. You know, Jesus didn't rebuke them for saying that. That's a, a, a place you, ha- you, you need to come to. If you haven't come to that place of seeing the glory of God and the beauty of God and saying, oh, I want to give all of myself to him. If you haven't come to that place, the Romans 8 will not mean anything to you. Because you're, you're still maybe a carnal Christian or maybe you're not a Christian at all. I mean, I've, talked to the great, I've talked to certain people about the grace of God, and they just look at me with a blank stare. They have no idea what I'm talking about. Because when you've talked to people, you know, try to share the Lord with them, and they're unsaved, and they just give you this blank look, like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no interest. I have no need for this. I'm, I don't have sin. They're blinded. But also with believers, you you can begin to try to share the grace of God, and they're just like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm fine. Really? So you haven't come to that point of realizing within yourself no good thing dwells, and, and this is not just theoretical. This is like a <laughs> emotional, mental distress. <laughs> like, oh, oh, I failed God. I'm so discouraged, and it's the most important thing in my life by far, and I'm failing in it. Have you ever come? I mean, if you haven't come to that place, then I, I don't think you've come to, through Romans 6 to offer yourself to God as a living sacrifice. Say, I'm going to serve you with all my heart. Peter, again, beautiful. Man, the guy's heart was awesome. There, this is a small group of guys. A lot of the disciples had already left, right? And, and, and it was very honed down to not that many people that really were dedicated to follow Jesus. And these guys were serious. They were serious disciples. But Jesus needed to show them their failure. He needed to show them the cross. And they went through a very difficult time. But no condemnation. I love that. I've never quite seen that. Uh, what my wife shared this morning, where Jesus wasn't condemning them. Peter, you know, you are going to deny me. And I'm so disappointed in you. You, I've been with you three years. I mean, what more do you want? I've raised people from the dead in front of you, and this still has not won your heart or your holiness? Jesus knew he didn't have holiness within himself, and it, it was Peter who needed to learn that. It was all the disciples that needed to learn that. Jesus wasn't condemning them. He, he, knew, he knows our state. 
He's trying to offer grace to us, not only forgiveness of sin to be saved. We're, we're talking about walking with God with power. You know, those guys were already saved. But they, wanted, they needed to go deeper with God. They needed to learn how to walk with God. And so you come out of Romans 7, no, uh, oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to save me from this body of death? And I love it, one sentence, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, that's too simple. That's, no. <laughs> you Christians, you know, no, you need to go and read many books on theology and then maybe you will become victorious. No, he's saying, Victory comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then Romans 8 is an expansion on that. What does he mean, through Jesus Christ, our Lord? Well, he means faith in Christ and what he did on the cross and interacting with God relationally, not under law, interacting with God through the cross, through the person of Jesus Christ, receiving the power of his spirit to begin now leaning on the Holy Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit lead us, having a completely different mindset than he, than Paul used to have as a Pharisee, or even a different mindset as Paul had as a born-again Christian, but still with a Pharisee mentality that had to be purged out of him. And so he had to go through a, a similar experience as Peter, whereas he presented himself to God and dedicated himself to God as a Christian and then realizing, oh, I'm still failing. But now I've realized I've been depending on myself, on my own religious flesh, as it were, and I'm going to quit doing that and start depending on Christ alone. So this whole process that we go through as believers, ver chapter Eight, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So this continues the thought from Romans 7 about walking with God and understanding who we are in Christ now. And that if we learn not to depend on our own flesh, have confidence in our flesh, but we depend on the spirit of Christ within us, we won't be caught in that cycle of sin and death and condemnation and thinking God's always mad at us. That's what verse 1 is talking about, condemnation. It's not talking about justification here. That's not the context. You know, the 2020 rule, have 2020 vision when you read the Bible. 20 verses before, 20 verses after. You got to get the context of what the author is talking about. Otherwise, you... You pull a verse out of context, you can make it say anything. He's talking about sanctification here, walking with God, and he's saying you don't have to live in this world of condemnation, of guilt, of feeling like you're failing God, oh, wretched man that I am. You can be free of that as you learn not to walk in your religious flesh, but walk in the, the power of the Spirit. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Once you understand that all, through this whole section, Paul is just talking about the same principle in a slightly different way, adding a little more information to it. And the principle is you can't do it in yourself. Christ can do it through you.
And, and that's what he's saying. So the law, verse 2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. This cycle of getting, you know, failing God, feeling guilty for it, feeling distant from God, uh, wretched man that I am, the things I want to do, I don't do. That's the law of sin and death. You, you fall into sin and you experience this death. And, and yes, when you sin, there are consequences. It's not like Paul is saying, no big deal when you sin because there's no condemnation. No, he's saying, I, you need to find a way to be free from that cycle of sin and death. And then when you, but when you do sin and fail, you don't get so down on yourself and get so discouraged. You just go, Lord, forgive my sin. And that, that's kind of how Paul ends chapter 7. He says, so with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. I, he understood the distinction within himself. He's getting to know himself as a Christian. He's saying, okay, when I, I don't really want to sin, I'm not planning sin, but when I do sin, chapter 7, he says, it's not really me, it's sin within me, so I'm not going to get so down on myself and so discouraged and so condemned that I can't hardly get back up. i just like... Yeah, I just blew it. I just can't believe I just said that. Or I was so irritable toward that person. I can't, that's, just, but that, you know, that's really not me. That's just sin in me. And I guess the, I reacted like that because I wasn't walking in the spirit. Lord, what, what just happened in my faith that I was not abiding in Christ, walking in the spirit, letting Christ live his life through me? See what I'm saying? That's, that's where the mind of the spirit is if you're under the law and and you do something sinful you say something sinful to somebody or irritable or you treat mistreat somebody you're like i just got to start doing better uh man i just got to start counting to 10 before i talk um i just need to read a book on anger management you're under the law you're not thinking spiritually you're thinking how do i self-improve myself and do better next time that's, and we're going to get to that, where those who walk according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. You have no other frame of reference. Many people don't even understand these truths at all, right? They're, I mean, there's moral people in the world that are unsaved, that they just think that way, how to, how to have discipline. But there's also Christians that they don't have that frame of reference of walking in the Spirit, and they just say, well, I just got to start doing better. Or... Um, I do my best and God does the rest. I've heard preachers say that. We can only, you know, what, can, what more can God expect? I just do my best and God does the rest. Really, your best is acceptable to God? Go back and read Romans 7 because in you no good thing dwells. In you evil dwells. That is in your flesh. But it's actually really freeing when you start to understand this stuff. It's tremendously freeing. Because you realize, oh, no good thing comes from me. I need to connect in faith with Jesus Christ. He'll live his righteous life through me. Oh, wow, that's like entering God's rest or something. Did I read that somewhere? Oh, I just feel more restful. I just feel more free. I don't feel this weight. I don't think, feel like God's mad at me all the time. I, my desires are changing. You know, the, the spirit is stirring in me a love for his word. A love for prayer, a love for people. What's going on in me? You know, before it used to be if I did all these things, then I could get close to God. Now I'm just letting God do it in me, and he's stirring in me 
you know, I just find like with myself since I last few months since I've been get, going deeper in some of these freeing truths, I just find myself meditating on the Word of God all the time. Not because I said I'm going to start meditating and it's going to make me a better Christian. I mean, that's fine if that's where you're at, but my mindset more and more is I'm going to abide in the spirit, focus on Jesus Christ and him crucified, let him live his life through me. And then my heart just changes. You know, it's like, oh, I want to, I got some time. I want to read the Bible. You know, I, I just love you. You know, just things start changing. You know, that thing that, you know, used to have a grip on me doesn't, it's just gone. Not because I'm working to overcome that sin so much, I'm just over here in this whole other area of power, and, and that thing can't even get through like it used to. It can't dominate me like it used to. But it's a process, right? It's not like, oh, I'm in victory all the time now. It's like, no, I'm, I'm doing better. I'm learning more to walk in the Spirit. Oh, I, ooh, I was just out of the Spirit there. That was pretty obvious. Lord, forgive me. Oh, yeah, I, I, let me, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're in and out, <laughs> but... Hopefully, you're more in than out. That's what growing is. We're going to move faster here, I promise. For this law of this, verse 2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I just don't even go there anymore. The law, it does nothing for me. It only condemns me. And, and you combine the law with flesh, it doesn't work. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, see, the law and your flesh, your religious flesh, it doesn't cut it. It can't do it. What the law could not do, your, your list of rules, your best efforts, it, it, it can't do it. It's because it's, it's, it's nothing wrong with the law. It's your flesh. It was weak through the flesh. God did it. God brought victory by sending his only son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of on account of sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. He's focusing you back on the cross. He's saying, when you try to follow the law through your best efforts, it doesn't work. But when you focus your faith on what on the person of Jesus Christ, what God did by sending him to go to the cross, he condemned sin. He'll deal with that sin in your flesh. He'll just crucify it. He'll just overpower it. Verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So, again, there's that fulfillment of the law just by me walking in the Spirit more. It's not like I'm even trying to keep the law. It just starts to be fulfilled. Again, I start to love God more. I start to love his word more. I start to be nicer to people because it's, it's his spirit within me. It's the very heart of Jesus Christ living his life through me. So there is a fulfillment of the law. Verse 5, for those who... Now, this defines a person living according to the flesh versus a person living according to the spirit. Very specific here. Verse 5, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So notice the mind. They set their minds. Notice in verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor 
indeed can be, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So this is talking about, again, a person who has no other frame of reference how to walk with God than just by doing their best. That's the carnal mind. That's someone who lives according to the flesh. Their mind is on the things of the flesh. Now, some would, will read this and say, oh, no, this is talking about a carnal Christian who's, who's self-indulgent in their sin. They're, they can't walk according to the Spirit. And it's like that's a total misinterpretation of this verse, and you're missing the whole point. You're just putting yourself back under the law. You're saying, if I, don't, if I live a holy life, then God will fill me with his Spirit and I, I can walk in the spirit because I'm living a holy life. It's like, how can you walk in the spirit if no good thing dwells in you? If, you're, if you recognize I can't do it in myself, but God can do it through me, that's the right mindset. So you live according to the flesh. It's just a person, they, they, they have no spiritual frame of reference. They're just trying their best to please God in their own strength. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So I love how he uses that, the things of the Spirit. So there's this whole world of things, of faith, of grace, of the cross. That's where your mind is thinking, the Holy Spirit, the power of God's love in my life being poured out supernaturally. The person who lives according to the flesh, they just think, I got to do better. I got to try harder. And I believe that's what Paul was, uh, bringing that Pharisee mindset into the the Christian life. So verse 6, for to be carnally minded, it's death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So if you're living that way as a Christian, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be defeated. You're going to feel far from God. It's death. He's not talking about physical death here. He's talking about this, this frustration in your walk versus having just beautiful life, abundant life and peace. So if you're a Christian, you don't have that abundant life and joy and peace. It could be because you're not walking in the spirit. You don't understand these truths. For the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So the person who is trying to just be you know, doing their best to please God. And of course, they're praying for God's help and all that, you know, but they still don't get it. They don't understand. They can't do it. Only God can do it through them. It's your, your carnal mind is actually working opposite against God. So when I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me and to speak to me, and I'm just trying to come up with my best ideas, I'm actually going the opposite of, of where God wants to go. And that's why it's so important as believers just to wait upon the Lord, listen to the Lord. Who was sharing that Wednesday night? I think it was uh, Bill. Yeah, someone was mentioning that to you. Just, just wait and listen to the Lord. And that's being led by the Spirit. But if it's my flesh, if I'm trying to think of the best way to get out of this situation, or I'm just carnal. It's just my carnal mind. It's going to go the opposite of God. If we understand that about ourselves, we're going to be way ahead of the curve because we're not depending on self anymore. We're saying, Lord, I know if I make this decision, I'll go the wrong direction. But Lord, I'm just coming to the cross now, asking you to crucify my ideas, my mind, and, Lord, that I would just hear your voice and be led by what you want, your will, 
God will, God will show us. So those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You can't. If you're doing it in your own efforts, you're not going to be able to please God. Verse 9, for you, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit of life, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So I believe what Paul's saying here, look, if you're a believer, you already have the Holy Spirit in you. This is not something you have to work up to or achieve to come into this life of victory and walking in the Spirit. He already dwells in you. Just realize you have the power within you. You just have to yield to the Holy Spirit. And then verse 10, if Christ is in you, the body's dead because of sin but the spirit is life because of righteousness. That's kind of a hard verse to understand. I think what he's saying there, your body, because it's fallen, your fleshly nature is dead because of sin. It's, it's damaged. It can't please God. Again, it's pointing back to Romans 7. In me, no good thing dwells. So my body is dead. It can't perform successfully in the Christian life. It has to be crucified daily. I, I was listening to a, a pastor preach on the chapter 8, and I really liked what he said. He was saying, you know, really all of this about walking in the Spirit, you get up in the morning and you just say, Lord, help me to sort through these truths and to realize that in myself I can't do anything for you, but through you I can do all things, Lord, that this self would be crucified right now. Your word, Jesus, you said, if I want to be your disciple, I should deny self, take up the cross, and follow you. And, Lord, that's what I want to do right now. Self is crucified with you. I'm going to cling to that cross and carry it all day and let it have its effect on the flesh because the flesh will jump, raise its ugly head at any moment, right? That's why he said you just got to carry the cross through the whole day. Carry it. Everywhere you go, let it remind you. Don't let that flesh flare up because it, it's there, man. No, it's crucified. I'm carrying the cross, and I'm following Jesus. Self is not going to lead. I'm, it's crucified. It's dead. I'm following Jesus. And he said, just do that in the morning, and your mind is going to be aligned with the Spirit. I mean, we can even jump into our devotional time and, and kind of be in the flesh, just trying to, you know, I've had devotional times. I feel so frustrated. I just feel like I'm not getting anything. I'm not, it's, Lord, I, and it's like, well, is my mind really aligned with these, these truths we're talking about? So the body's dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness, because of what Christ did on that cross. Now the spirit is freely available to you today. It's not something you have to work up to. Just believe. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit of him who dwells in you. He's not talking about the ultimate resurrection here. That's talked about other places. He's talking about spiritual resurrection daily for us. He's saying this power is available to you. The, the spirit that's living in you 
was the same exact spirit that bodily raised Jesus up from the dead. You have plenty of power available to you right now. You don't have to go to a, 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 you know, a, semi, a seminary or a seminar or whatever f- to learn this new truth, this secret truth, or, or read this, this special book. or it, You have it available to you now. Just connect your faith. Verse 12, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I believe what he's saying here, I heard somebody put it this way once. They said, you're trying to manage your self-indulgent, sinful, lustful flesh with your religious flesh. You can't do it. It won't work. So he's saying um, that, that self-indulgence, lustful, sinful flesh has to be crucified. But we've been talking about two aspects of our sinful flesh, the, the, the self-righteous, self-motivated um, religious flesh, and we have that self-indulgence, I don't care, I'm going to do what I want to do because it feels good part of our flesh. So he's saying if you're trying to manage your sinful, indulgent flesh with the religious flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Again, he's talking to Christians here. For as many as are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Again, this is pointing back to Romans 7. That spirit of bondage, trying to please God in your own, by following the law, your own best efforts, and it leads to fear, doesn't it? Because you always think God's mad at you. That's a great way to see if you're under the law or under grace. Again, you're a, a serious Christian. You've devoted yourself to God. You're really st- striving to please him. That's a good place to be. Your heart has to be in that place. <clears throat> but you're always sensing like God's displeased with you. You're, you're, you're fearful that God, you've disappointed God again because you failed here, you failed here, you failed. And that's like a spirit of bondage. I'm just going to try harder, God, next time. I'm going to rededicate myself to try harder. Again, you're, that, that's not the spirit that the Lord wants you to walk in. He says, no, you've received the spirit of adoption who we crowd, Abba, Father. It's not performance-based, it's relational-based. Like, oh, Father, I failed you again. I'm sorry. Lord, would you help me to please you more? Empower me, Lord, by your spirit. Let me crucify this flesh. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's not law-based, it's relational-based. And that's it. We're stopping there. Verse 15. What an abrupt ending. <clears throat> well, let's pray. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for the word of God and these powerful verses that really are just speaking the same truth in slightly different ways. And, and Lord, we need to get this stuff. We need to walk in the spirit. And Lord, that self would just be crucified daily. And we know that unless the Holy Spirit takes the things of Christ and shows them to, the, to us, we're not going to understand these things. And so, Lord, we're, we're yielding our minds, our hearts as children. Jesus, you said, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, 
you want to walk with me, you got to have a childlike mind because of, well, God, your ways are high above ours, Lord. Not to be childish, but childlike in our approach to you, Lord, knowing, <laughs> knowing we know nothing compared to you and that you need to be our teacher. So teach us these truths, Lord, as we, as we go today. Let the Holy Spirit bring them alive, Lord, that cannot, the enemy cannot snatch these truths at all, but we'll, <clears throat> you'll remind us. Just remind us as we go. Just commit this day to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.